Hello and welcome to The Beat. I am Christopher Gomsky here with uh, Bennett Boggess. Mm-hmm. Today we're going to be going over kind of the 90s and what it meant for rock in total. Yeah, we're going to be doing it year by year, each choosing like a uh, song. Yeah, so let's get right into it. Starting off with 1990, honestly... The, the 1990 was not a good year for rock. It really wasn't. The thing I put down, because we made lists, was I put down Inside Out by the Traveling Wilburys. And honestly, the Traveling Wilburys are amazing, but the thing is that Volume 1, their album Volume 1, was fantastic because mm-hmm. it had Roy Orbison. It was really the dream team, but then Volume 3, their next album, was just it was sad because they didn't have them. Yeah, I had uh, Been Caught Stealing by Jane's Addiction, which is, like, all in all, not a bad song, but not, like, a standalone song for 1990. It's, it's standalone for Jane's Addiction, but Jane's Addiction really... I'm not that fond of them. But moving into 1991, we have Red Hot Chili Peppers releasing uh, Blood Blood Sugar Sex Magic and also Pearl Jam releasing uh, Tin. Uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic was the um, the album. On, yeah, yeah. On that. They're releasing the albums. Yeah. And then the song from that was uh, Under, Under the Bridge by them. Under the Bridge is probably... <clears throat> I'm blanking on a John... Fushianti or John Fushianti or something like that, but that was honestly some of his best work. That was yeah, a fantastic it's, it's kind of like uh, one of Red Hot Chili Peppers' most like well-known songs. Definitely, yeah. That's his. This was actually a standout album, definitely. Yeah. But I picked the uh, Even Flow by Poil Jam because Ten was, uh, if I think it was, yeah, Ten was their first album. And it had Animal, Even Flow, Jeremy, songs like this. And it was just, this was kind of the start of 90s rock. It wasn't necessarily grunge, but it was just nice, classic 90s rock. Definitely. Pearl Jam really kind of started that in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Now we're going into 92, and we have very different selections. Yeah, I, I chose uh, No Rain by Blind Melon. Tell me about that, because I'm not familiar with it. It's it's a song that's been used in a, in a couple of movies. It's it starts off with like kind of a steady beat, and it's really kind of uh, not not grungy at all, but just a solid mm-hmm. song. I chose something completely different, and this was actually a Q song by uh, a Q song, and it was Friday I'm in Love. And the one thing that's kind of remarkable is I'm saying the Q, but you might know them as you know a late '70s band or an '80s band. The thing that's incredible is they had hits in every decade. 70s, yeah, they they 80s kept on releasing throughout the seventies, eighties, and nineties, and they had hits um, each each decade. Yeah, so I mean, not a lot of bands can say that really at all. Maybe, you know, Rolling Stones. Maybe I'd say Rolling Stones. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, a lot of bands can't say that. Mm-hmm. So next, we're moving on to nineteen ninety three, and this was basically. For me, in my opinion, this was this was in utero when uh, Nirvana came out with In Utero, and that was actually their last album because um, I think most people know that Nirvana only released three albums. But they have a ton of compilation albums. If you go to their website, they have like seventeen compilation albums. Yeah, but only three albums, and throughout all their life, like three official albums. That's true. But they do have a lot of songs that aren't on their albums. But it's insane. It still shocks me that with three albums, they they would go to this probably. What they really kind of started like 
grunge in the mainstream. They did. They single-handedly made grunge famous. And that's something that Radio can't, Radiohead can't say and Soundgarden can't say. Because they're there and people know them for grunge, but Nirvana is famous for that. Yeah, definitely. So what did you pick for? Uh, for 1993, I chose uh, Disarm by Smashing Pumpkins. I think that even today that song is still played. It's I think it's kind of iconic of uh, Smashing Pumpkins as a band. Yeah, and I'm, I'm blanking. This wasn't... Uh, was this off the Siamese Twins album? It was, it was, yeah. Yeah, that was definitely the standout album for this, uh, the Smashing Pumpkins, besides maybe uh, Melancholy and something Infinite Sadness or something like that. Yeah. But yeah, I think two standout albums for Smashing Pumpkins, but they're a fantastic band. So moving on to 1994, <laughs> I kind of picked something that was a little like... I don't know, it went against what I'd usually do, because 1994 for me was kind of, was Dookie. It was Dookie by Green Day, and that's one of my favorite albums of all time. Mm-hmm. But I chose something not, it wasn't Dookie, it was actually I Alone by Live. Really? I wouldn't expect you to do that, because Dookie is like one of your favorite albums, and especially with Green Day being Dookie, one of their uh, most mm-hmm. I have a confession ones. to make. I actually didn't use Green Day once on my list, but I think in 97 you did. I did use uh, Green Day in 1997. Okay. So, yeah, I chose I Alone by Live. Just an overall fantastic mm-hmm. track. You've also got... Um, um, I'm blanking on the other live song, but it's like the only other live song that's really that famous. But let's not spend time thinking yeah. about it. What did you do for I, uh, I'm a big fan of Weezer, and they released their Blue album, which was their first album, and I chose Undone off of that. Mm-hmm. And Undone's such like a funny uh, song because it's like the lyrics are really sad, but it's kind of comes off as like a, an, a hilarious song. And so Rivers uh, Kumio actually said that like it's supposed to be sad, but people just like laugh whenever they hear it. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm not that big into Weezer, but I know you're a big fan. Mm-hmm. So up next we've got 1995, and I have a uh, Smashing Pumpkins track. And this was off the um, Melancholy and Infinite Sadness or whatever. And it's Bullet with Butterfly Wings. And that's this is definitely, I wouldn't say a metal song, but definitely a heavy rock song. Because this was gaining totally. popularity. Because this was, a lot of people think that Nirvana kind of started this wave almost. And bands kinda like Smashing Pumpkins kind of... Caught the wave. Yeah, exactly. So what'd you get? Uh, for 1995, I chose um, the Sublime song, What I Got. Mm-hmm. And the thing about Sublime is that they have a couple of records, and they're really um, popular. Even even today, they've maintained their popularity with um, their their albums and their songs. Mm-hmm. That's definitely one of the bands that kind of everyone knows their main stuff. There's definitely a fan base. Yeah, uh, totally. in that sort of ska... Because that's what they call it. They call it ska. Because most of these songs are kind of alt-rock. But that's what they call it, that genre. And other than Sublime, not many people, like, nobody really does it like Sublime. Because they definitely yeah. kind of defined that that genre. And there's nobody else really like them. Anyway, let's get on to 1996. Why don't you go first? Uh, 1996, I chose another... Uh... Weezer song off of their album Pinkerton. 
Uh, and Pinkerton is one of the few Weezer albums that actually uh, achieved critical acclaim. Because even though Weezer has a, a big fan base, critics usually don't like them. And with their, um, their Green album, it didn't achieve that much critical success. But Pinkerton was like really the only one to. And on that album, I chose El Scorcho. What stands out to you with El Scorcho? El Scorcho, it's just, I, the, the song, the lyrics are hilarious. It talks about one uh, guy falling in love with a, a Japanese girl, and he just, like, makes all these uh, jokes about how, like, just jokes that are really funny in, in it, and the, um, the lyrics and the guitar in it is really great mm-hmm. yeah whenever i think of kind of these more humorous songs i always think of early 2000s because we've got Definitely. like smash mouth and almost these kind of joke bands that have yeah, these like, uh, funny one-hit wonders bare naked ladies yes exactly and um oh, i'm thinking there's, there's that one song it's one week is that it where it's like uh, i think it was like one week since i do do yes do, do, yes do, do. and there's there's um, what is it? Tub, tub, tub thumping. thumping. Thug, tub thumping. That's what I was thinking of. So in the early two yeah. thousands, you've got all these kind of like joke songs. Yeah, tub thumping is really interesting because that band was actually like a punk band. Oh. That uh, hated like capitalism, so they would like send this message through their music. But that year, they decided like against that, and they released this one song, tub thumping, and it just in kind of a like. Uh, mockery of the songs that mm. like achieved success and then that song became successful that's pretty that's kind of a slap to the face to the band because it's you try to make all these songs with a with a message you want to get your message out there and then the one that you kind of like yeah well you know we'll, we'll joke around a bit that's the one that yeah. gains popularity so yeah the early 2000s were kind of known for that but i do i never really think of the 90s i mean you could say sublime has some joke songs like that mm-hmm. with the the fast paced and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, uh, date rape is one of those songs, and it's kind of it tells a story to that fast fast paced tempo. But uh, yeah, the '90s do have some of those kind of funny songs like that. Now, and then 1997 yeah. is when Green Day released their album uh, Nim Nimrod. Well, or no, American. I have to uh, I have to do my pick for '96. Oh, I'm sorry, but it's a complete transition from the joke kind of stuff it's actually rage against the machine and it's bulls on parade so definitely a complete transition from el scorcho yeah this is kind of the same we we're talking about like anti-capitalist sort of stuff getting kind of music with a message trying to like definitely definitely because in the i'd say the 90s there's so many bands trying to make it and mm-hmm. get a message out there so in those bands like this like especially rage against the machine which I don't think they have a song that isn't sending a strong message. Yeah, they, they don't have a song that isn't, like, saying anything. Yeah, every single song means something, and I love that about Rage Against the Machine, and Bulls on Parade is, I'd say, my favorite uh, song by them. What would you say, like, the message is behind that so- song? Bulls on Parade, and also I could say this for Killing in the Name, which is on the same album, which I do forget the name of, but it's all kind of that anti-government stuff because they do have an album it's um something against la it's like revolt against la mm-hmm. I, I forget and i apologize but yeah something like that so they're all kind of anti-government kind of not anarchy 
but promoting revolt. It's promoting to revolt in the youth. It's saying take action and do this. Yeah, kind of like don't uh, accept like just society. Kind of like think for yourself and fight against authority. And I love that about Rage Against the Machine. Anyway, let's go on to '97. Yeah, I I chose uh, Green Day's song. Um, was it off. Good Riddance? I think it was Good Riddance that I yeah. chose. Just because Green Day, uh, this is actually one of my favorite uh, Green Day albums that they put out. Well, like because I'm not a big fan of Dookie, but I do like some songs on it. But then in 1997 was when I liked yeah. Green Day. 97 was a uh, Nimrod uh, for Green Day, and that's you know the album they came out with. And they had two albums. I don't want to get into the history of Green Day, but they had two albums that were complete flops. They had uh, one of three nine smoothed out slappy hours, then they had Coop Plunk, and those like nobody really knew them. You couldn't really find them unless you like really looked for it. And then you've got Dookie, and it's a big, big hit. And then you've got I don't know if it was right after that Nimrod. It might have been. I think ninety five was Insomniac actually, but then. And that was actually not that bad on Zomniac. Mm-hmm. And then you've got um, Nimrod. And so they're kind of going hit after hit with this. And Nimrod was very famous, the entire album. But Good Riddance, an acoustic song on Green Day, which is kind of unheard of. Yeah, it's not like them at all. Because usually it's very kind of, uh, it takes a little bit of, from The Clash, a little bit from other other kind of punk bands. But this song is just completely different. Yeah, and I, I really respect that, how they did that. And I've got um, Damn It by Blink-182, because for me, 97 was kind of this, it was almost the rise of punk, in a sense. Because there was a lot of, like, um, Blink-182 came out with Dude Ranch, which is, like, one of their premier albums. Mm-hmm. And then Green Day with um, Nimrod. So you've got these punk bands coming out. And I don't know, I think Sum 41 was, like, early thou- early 2000s. But this late 90s and early 2000s was definitely kind of the rise of punk. So, yeah, that's kind of why I chose a Blink-182 yeah, song. Yeah, Blink-182 is definitely like kind of like 1990s yeah. in their like prominence because 2000s, did they release anything in the 2000s? I think they did, but it was they had a self-titled album in, I think, 2004 maybe, and that had some famous songs. Uh, I can't remember them, but, yeah, so... They were kind of that late 90s, early 2000s was kind of Green Day, Sum 41, um, Blink-182, obviously. That was kind of the punk, the start of punk. And also, we're coming up on 1998, which I selected a song by The Offspring, who are also a very fast-paced Definitely. kind of punk band. And I selected The Kids Aren't All Right. So, and this was off the album Americana. And so that's again kind of a song with a message. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was this fast pace that starts off with a really fast uh, guitar riff, and goes straight into message about friends committing suicide and all this stuff. And it's really deep, and it's all it's kind of that punk thing where you have a really deep message conveyed in this really fast paced angry song. But uh, what do you have for ninety ninety eight? Uh, 98, I actually chose kind of like the complete opposite. I chose Clo- Closing Time by Semi-Sonic off of their album Feeling Strangely Fine. And I know you like aren't really familiar with this song. No, not at all. But it's, I feel like the 1990s have like kind of two spectrums. They have like, like kind of the grungy, uh, fast-paced, like sort of punk. 
and then they have like the other side like kind of the acoustic and like blind melon like kind of weezer at times but weezer kind of like splits the middle uh and closing time is just like a uh, it's a kind of a simple song that i think is really um just fun mm-hmm. yeah i actually i wasn't familiar with it at all so i listened to it a couple hours ago and i liked it and i can definitely see what you're talking about chris with the kind of the two spectrums in the 90s mm-hmm. and so now we're moving on to the last year 1999 and this was kind of the year of the red hot chili peppers definitely they came out with californication and this is in my opinion i think besides maybe stadium Arcadium, which came out in the 2000s this was definitely the most famous album definitely yeah and so you have songs like californication around the world and i do in other side but around the world is definitely my uh my favorite song mm-hmm. by them because you've got uh, song by out. them in in general or just off this album no song by them in general and so you it starts off with i i forget just the open e on the bass just loud and obnoxious and then immediately you've got the singer um help me with this what's the singer's name I'm the singer is uh anthony kiedis Exactly. So it's, you've got this bass line by Flea, and then Anthony Kiedis almost rapping in a sense. He's going so fast, mm-hmm. and it's 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 perfect. It's Red Hot Chili Peppers in their essence, honestly. Yeah. I, I actually also chose a song from that album. I chose uh, The Other Side, because that's one of my favorite songs. The Other Side. The Other Side, yeah. Or no, I just, I just meant Other Side. I'm disappointed, honestly. But that's that's also a fantastic song. It's one of the slower songs off that album. And I think we can't talk about Californication without talking about the title song, Californication. Yeah. Because it sends a huge message. Agree with it or not, it's, it's a message of kind of not believing the lies of the mm-hmm. government and all these conspiracy theories. It's also interesting the way they kind of... Uh incorporate kind of california culture into that song because they talk about like the earthquakes and the other uh, culture movements that were going on in california at that time Mm -hmm. yeah this was a controversial song because it's talking about uh, i think one of the lines space may be the final frontier but it's made in a hollywood basement yeah so it's it's a controversial and i don't know if they're uh mocking people or kind of i think what it is and this is just my opinion i have no research on this but i think they're kind of conveying the ideology of like the really liberal kind of anti-government like californian california they they definitely kind of do have that kind of hippie yeah vibe on that song but i think they're kind of making fun of it in a sense it's a little bit of satire of that i I would agree with that well that brings us to the year 2000 and we don't really talk about the early 2000s because you know it's besides maybe 2004 american idiot I mean, there's really... I don't want to talk about the thousands, and I don't think anybody wants to talk about the 2000s. Bennett, this is the 1990s. No, no, I know. I'm just... Well, all I'm saying is that the music, the majority <laughs> of music in the 2000s is really bad, so I'm saying let's just, like, we shouldn't ever do an episode on the music of the 2000s. From from now on, I can promise you we will never do an, an episode on the music of the I'm 2000s. really glad. So, that's the end of the episode. Yeah, we that's been the 1990s. It. And uh, thank you for listening. 
The beat is produced by Christopher Gnomsky and Bennett Bogus. Special thanks to Joe Conway, James Jackson, and Quasi Banzai for our theme music. If you like what you heard, please rate, subscribe, and leave a review on iTunes. Thanks, and uh, we'll be back next week.